I don't believe there's any retreat or time out with God. Uh, in fact, uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but I was telling preacher before service, you know, Hebrews 10.25 was, was in the Bible before the First Amendment ever existed. That has to do with assembling yourselves together. And you know what? It'll be there even after the First Amendment's gone. It'll still be there. And listen, what I'm talking about is we got a God that we ought to serve. And now is a time that we need to serve Him more than ever. The question was asked to us already, and I'm just being honest with you as a visiting preacher, I didn't see enough hands go up because I didn't see everybody's hands go up. Now, I understand some young ones who may not understand, but the question was asked, is anybody facing something that's impossible? Can I tell you something? It's impossible for me to be a good husband without God. It's impossible for me to be the right kind of father without God. It's impossible for me to be a faithful Christian without God. It's impossible for me to obey the God of the universe without Him. Can I tell you something? Everyone in this room faces the impossibility every moment of every day. Anybody facing something that's impossible for them yet? Yeah, amen. Amen. That's why we serve the God of the impossible. Amen. Because He can take sinners like us and do the impossible with Him. Amen? He can actually use us, no matter what Fox News says, or what the Republicans or Democrats or conservatives or liberals say, God can still do what God wants to do as long as we just surrender. Amen. Is there anything impossible? Are you facing anything impossible? Well, actually, we read the verse, right? We, we sang the verse. Amen. I better put my glasses on. I won't be able to read it. We sang it, but I can't read it without my glasses. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Anybody in here have a dad that said, you're a Perkins or you're, a, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're my child, you better behave like you're my child? You know it's awful hard to behave like a son of God. I wonder how many of us out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday are out walking the highways and hedges of this city and our community and in our neighborhoods behaving like we're the children of God Almighty. Or are we just scared of COVID? Yeah, that nasty COVID. You can't stop a virus, folks. I know that's really deep, and I know I'm not a medical doctor, but I've heard him say it, Amen. You can borrow wisdom, amen? You can, you can borrow some brains. You can't stop it, but you can ask God to protect you from it. Amen. The burden on my heart this evening is going to be found in Matthew chapter 15. And in Matthew chapter 15, we're going to look at a very unique lady in a very unique circumstance, something that we've surely read before, we may be familiar with. As you know, there's nothing new with me. I'm hopefully going to bring out some truths that have been there for thousands of years that will encourage us today. But the thought, the title if you want to call it, the message, the burden on my heart is the pride that is destroying America. The pride that is destroying America. 
We're going to begin reading verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Let's pray. Father, in these next few moments, I ask you to help me. Lord, you put a burden on my heart for this time, for this hour. And God, I know that Sometimes I have trouble communicating, and God, I just pray tonight you'd help me to communicate clear the message you put on my heart for this time. And Father, I pray you'd help me be a blessing and encouragement to these dear people. But Father, I pray tonight that your spirit would be welcomed here, and that he would have his will and his way in our midst. Help us to blot out, to, to stop, to turn off the distractions of this world and what's going on around us. And help us to focus on what the Spirit has to say to the church tonight. And Father, I pray you'd help us as only you can. In Jesus' precious name, amen. This woman came to the Lord. She was unwilling uh, or undeserving. And she knew it. And she came to our Lord and she humbled herself. You think of the humility that it took for this lady to openly expose what's going on in her life to stand before people that looked down upon her, people that thought she was a dog. She was not a Jew. She was of, of the people of Canaan. She was a dog to them. She was a Gentile. She was worse than a dog because what the Jews considered the half-breed Samaritans, they were dogs. And then under the dogs, you had the Canaanites. And that was who this woman was. This woman had no right to approach Jesus. She had no right to come and try to speak to God. She had no position, no power, no nothing, yet she did anyways. I want you to think and put yourself in her shoes for a moment. I think that's going to be hard for us to do in America today because it took a whole bunch of humility for her to do this. Humility that spoke volumes of this woman. Can I tell you this evening that pride is the enemy of faith? We're proud to be an American. Really? Or are you blessed to be an American? I don't find anything positive in Scripture about pride. And yet in this very congregation, when asked if we're facing something impossible, many said, oh, no, I'm not facing anything impossible. I love the way the Holy Spirit sets you all up for that. Can you tell me why you didn't raise your hand if it wasn't pride? Well, I mean, we're Americans. Got financial problems? Get a credit card. Got health problems? Got insurance. There used to be a day where we needed God more than Visa. There used to be a day where we needed God more than we needed Blue Cross and Blue Shield. 
There used to be a day when we needed God more than we needed a stimulus package. There was a day when we needed God more than whatever the doctor said. We just needed God. But in America today, well, we've got God. We know God. We're familiar with God. Everything's good between us and God, and we're handling it pretty well. Really? Have you seen America lately? The Bible teaches us that if judgment must begin, it must begin at the house of God. As I asked the church this morning up in Custer, I wonder how many of us, like Abraham, have prayed intercessory prayer for the members of Antifa. (gasps) Don't you know we're conservative in here? I don't care about your conservativeness. Are you a Christian? You know, Jesus would have been praying for them. Jesus wants you to pray for them. They need to be saved. The answer for BLM is salvation. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not becoming a Republican. It's not teaching them, well, they just need to learn what true history is. Why don't you start at Calvary? If you taught them history and were burdened about teaching them history beginning at Calvary, then maybe you'd see a change because only God's going to make a change in their lives. But we've got all these other great ideas and all these other wonderful ideas as Americans in modern-day America, and we call ourselves Christians, and yet when's the last time we shared the gospel with somebody? America needs the gospel. This lady came to the Lord. This woman had a problem, and she went to Jesus. Can I say, we got a problem, and the problem's well overdue. The problem's overbaked. The problem's been here too long. The problem's getting out of hand. Why haven't we gone to the Lord about our problem in America? I think of Nehemiah. I think of Isaiah. I think of Jeremiah. I think of the prophets that though they weren't the ones that caused all the wrong, though they weren't the ones that worshipped idols, though they weren't the ones that were members of Antifa, BLM, and and, and, and liberals, and, and abortionists, and all this, they said, oh God, forgive us of our sins. What about that? But no, it's them. It's they're so wicked. They need to learn. No, you know why they need to learn? It's because we're so wicked. Otherwise, they would have already known. I had a a man in a church up in Osseo. They were pulling down statues. Whatever. God said, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Deal with that. Never thought of that before. Anyways, he said, they're pulling down all these statues of ancient history. Well, what do you think about Christians going up and pulling down those uh, uh, statues they have to Satan up in Minneapolis? They got statues of Satan up in Minneapolis and Oklahoma City. What do you think about that? I said, I think it's a waste of time. I think if you took on the gospel, it'd be a lot more profitable. Said the problem is the reason those statues are there is because Christians didn't take the people that put the statues there, the gospel, when they should have taken the gospel to them 20 years ago. You see, it's not about a virus, folks. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not about an election and a president and Trump or Biden or this or that. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. What America needs is the gospel, not better politicians. If you remember, when this nation was founded, we didn't have very good politicians. We were ruled by a tyrant in England. Hello? And yet the Baptist stood forth and the Baptist stood up and the Baptist opened the word of God and said, no, it's about sharing the gospel with people and worshiping a holy, righteous God. 
It's what America needs to get back to. We have far departed from it. I want to look at several things in this verse, in these verses. In verse 22, the first thing I want to show you in contrast with America today is she openly admits her problem. Think about it. She didn't ask, uh, yes, uh, Pastor Jesus, can I set up a private counseling meeting with you in your office? No. In front of all the disciples, in front of all the multitude, in front of everybody, she says, I got a demon-possessed daughter. My house is a mess. Help. Oh, no, we're too dignified for that. Maybe that's why we've not seen revival. We're, we're too prideful to openly admit our problems. Oh, we don't, God, we don't want God to really know how bad it is. He already knows. Surprise. Hello. We think he doesn't know. Well, the pastor doesn't know. Who cares? God knows. It's time we got right with God. She openly admits her problem. She says in verse 22, it says, And behold, the woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and, uh, and, and cried unto him. Listen, we know we're familiar with Scripture. She cried. She didn't just kind of cozy up and say, Psst, Jesus, Psst, listen, this is kind of embarrassing for me, and I don't want too many people to know about it. No, she openly admits the problem. We openly admit the problem's them. The problem's them. Look at them. Oh, Pelosi. Oh, Obama. Oh, this group. BLM. Oh, look at the problem. And God says, no, look at the problem, church. Look at where the problem really is. Since COVID started, you've had a lot more time for prayer. Have you used it for prayer? Have you been in that prayer closet? Some of you may be in the military, and some of you may be on lockdown. Some of you may be having to be quarantined. Boy, what a great time to fast and pray, get that prayer closet going, and get a hold of God. Have we done it, America? No. We've not. Well... We'll get our way through this somehow, pride. Pride, folks. She openly admits her problem. Let's get pointed about this, amen. Verse 22, the problem was in her home. Well, preacher, we'll openly admit the problem. I understand it must be begin at the house of God. After all, that pastor we got. <laughs> yeah, we know about the problems. Oh, you know, the pastor, he's got this, and oh, the pastor that, or oh, the deacons this, or oh, this family that. No, it was in her home. It wasn't in Jesus' home. It wasn't in the disciples' home. It wasn't in the, I just lost it, amen? It wasn't in the tax collectors' homes, Amen? It wasn't in the scribes' homes. It wasn't in the Pharisees' homes. It was in her home. And she openly admitted, you know what, God, I got a problem in my own home. And the second thing you see about the problem, not only was, did she openly admit the problem was in her home, she openly admitted the problem was spiritual. You know what, family, tonight, your problem is not a financial problem. Our oldest daughter, she just went down to our home church, the Lord led her down there. God opened doors. I won't get into it all, but she's teaching K-4. <laughs> yeah, amen. I'd rather go teach in jail than K-4. <laughs> amen. <laughs> Anyways, whoo, God bless her. You know what I told her? 
I said, sweetie, you got people, you got these little kids coming in from families. You got, you're going to have them for several hours a day. I said, first thing you need to do as a teacher is you need to pray for your students every day. Second thing you need to understand is that every problem you have in your class every day is going to be a spiritual problem. What? Teaching the ABCs and phonics? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a spiritual problem. See, folks, we're so prideful in America today, we don't even realize how bad our spiritual problems are. Pastor Furs preached recently about how obedience leads to blessings. Pretty simple biblical principle, is it not? Obedience leads to blessings. Why is America in a mess? We've not been obeying him. That's why I mentioned Hebrews 10.25 was in Scripture before the First Amendment. Hey, why don't we just obey God no matter what our rights are? Forget what our rights are. It's a command of God. You ought to just obey. And it's not just assembling together, folks. What about go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? When's the last? Oh, COVID makes it so hard to witness to people. Really? Have you talked to many missionaries lately? We do a lot more canvassing now, but the fact is when we actually knock doors and talk, people are hungry. We get more time at the door to talk. Why? Because they're sick of being cooped up. They haven't had human interaction, and they're all scared. And we got the answer. See, she was willing to admit the problem was in her home, and she was willing to openly admit not just it's in my home, but it's a spiritual problem. And Christians in America need to get back to confessing to God, hey, listen, the problem is in my own home, and the problem is a spiritual problem, God. Help me to be the Christian that you want me to be, whether we got COVID or not. Let me ask you something. Are you guys really, are you really set? I mean, what's it going to do to your psyche if Biden's elected? I don't care. My Bible says the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. As rivers of water, he turns the weather so every will. Hey, listen, God's in charge. We're all worried about an election. <laughs> oh, I'm a child of God. Really? And you're worried about an election on earth? What was the country Brother First was talking about? Uh, Belarus. I didn't know this about Belarus. Belarus has had the same president for 27 years. He's closed all the borders, and he has put all of his opponents in jails, and today's the election day. Guess who's going to get elected? You know what? There's Christians there. I wonder how worried they are about it. I wonder what they're all freaking out. Oh, oh I got to go get medication. Oh, no, what am I going to do? Oh, my God, COVID and a bad president. No, they got to share the gospel. They got to be faithful to God. They got to obey God. Listen, folks, we got to get back to basic, simple Christianity, and we're losing it in America because we're falling in. Listen, fear hath torments, and we're afraid of what the media is telling us, and we're afraid that we might die from some disease. Listen, I'm not going to die. I'm going to live forever. I'm a child of God. What can you do to me? I'm going to continue sharing the gospel. I'm going to continue obeying God, and I'm going to continue making sure my life is right in his eyes, not in my eyes. Not where I like it and where I'm comfortable. She openly admits the problem, folks. It's too bad that more Christians in America today 
2,000 years later, aren't as bold and humble as this lost Canaan woman was. Not only that, we see that her problem in verse 22 was hurting her child. Hey, grandmas and grandpas, moms and dads that don't have any spiritual problems that your kids and grandkids see. (laughs) What? Yeah, because we've all got them. Let me tell you something. The spiritual problems you're letting linger in your home, they're hurting your kids. They're not just hurting your kids. They're hurting the whole next generation. Who cares who's elected? What if we got another 50 years before we see Jesus? Hmm? Are you preparing your young people to see that? You prepare and listen. I got to prepare for my daughters to be grandmothers in a godless society where there is no constitution and there is no amendments and there is no freedom and there are maybe no Bibles. Hello. But if I don't take care of my spiritual problems now, they'll never be ready. I'll be cheating them out of it. And our spiritual problems are affecting our children, folks. And she understood that. She came to the Lord and she said, my daughter is vexed with the devil. It's hurting her. Folks, the devils are running rampant in America today. And Christians are running in fear. Like God is not on the throne anymore. Are you kidding me? What reality do you live in? The Fox News reality? That's twisted and perverted. That's ignorant and unlearned. You can have it. I live in the reality of the Word of God. That is reality. And the fact of the matter is, my king's still on the throne. Don't matter what happens in November, my king's on the throne. And he won't be dethroned anytime soon. Not even for all eternity. He'll always be on the throne. His throne may come down on this earth for a while. Amen. And listen. What are we worried about? We ought to just be marching forward as Christians. We ought to be marching forward like God's marching forward in the song that we heard. We ought to not be worried about this stuff. We ought to be standing up and rising up and saying no. There's so much of this stuff. Anybody seen the protests in Germany? Anybody seen them? I just got to mention this as a side note. You see, the Berlin Wall only came down about 35 years ago. So they kind of remember communism, socialism, tyranny. It's kind of fresh. They're told social distance, wear masks, and quarantine. And last Sunday, there were millions of Germans out on the streets protesting, no! It wasn't this party, that party, the Labor Party, the no, uh uh-uh. They all bonded together and rejected it because they said no. Because they remember communism and socialism. Us, man, 244 years of freedom and sitting back on our lees and Christians have, oh, I don't know if I should go out soul winning this Saturday. Oh, boy, if I should obey God this Saturday, oh, somebody might get upset. Somebody might think I'm not obeying the government if I obey God this Saturday or this afternoon or, or, or Monday afternoon or Tuesday or whenever I should go pass out tracts and witness to people and not stop. Folks, listen. They understand what it's like to not have the freedoms. We don't even understand anymore. We don't even understand. 
She openly admitted her problem. Not only do we see in verse 22 that she openly admitted her problem, but if you read verse 25 with me, it says, Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. She openly admits her inability. Boy, in America, I mentioned it earlier, we got credit cards, we got insurance, we got a military, look at our great might. No, we are not able to maintain our freedoms. Listen, if 100% of Americans voted conservative or voted whatever constitutional, that doesn't guarantee us protection. We are unable to maintain our freedoms. Only God gives us those freedoms. We have forgotten we think the freedoms come from a president or from a congress or from some document that was written. No, our freedoms come from God Almighty. That's what we need to get back to. She openly admits. And listen, it says in verse 25 there, if you look at the first verse, the first words, what does it say? She came and worshipped him. When did she worship him? When he said, you're a dog. We don't give crumb. We, we don't give the, the children uh, the, the food for the Listen, ignore her. Send her away. It's not meat to give the children's bread unto the dogs. Boy, I don't sound too much like prosperity preaching. I don't sound too much like Joel Osteen. I want to see Joel Osteen preach that with a smile. <laughs> We're so far removed. This term Christianity isn't even a proper definition in America anymore. It's not even a biblical definition. Christians die for what they believe in. That's normal Christianity. To lay down our lives and to die to make men free. Whether it's on a battlefield physically or a battlefield spiritually. That is normal Christianity. We've departed from it. Oh man, give me my lazy boy. Give me my sweet tea. Let me put my foot up, oh, my feet up on, oh, yeah, lay back and just uh, settle back on ease while our forefathers are burned at the stake. Help us. Not only did she openly admit her problems, she openly admits her inability, folks. Can I tell you something? It don't matter if we shut down one group, the next group, the other group. It doesn't matter if we close it. Listen, and don't get me wrong, I'm all for it. Let's close every abortion mill, murder mill in America. That's great, but that's not the answer, and that won't solve the problem. The problem is they need the gospel. And the problem is we have no ability to do it without God. Without his help, without his power on our lives, without his intervention, we have no ability at all. See, we actually think we stand, after all, we're the, we're the most powerful nation in the world. And God just kind of goes to the entire globe. <laughs> what are we to God? What is man that thou art mindful of him? We're nothing. You think our military might impress us God in the least? You think the Trump rallies are really, ooh, God's looking back in heaven going, whoa, look at all those people. Give me a break. It's nothingness to God. And it's of no importance. What's of importance is all those people at that rally that are going to burn in hell for eternity. And they call themselves Christians. Because they were born in America and they go to some church and they know a few Bible verses. They're going to burn in hell without the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the answer. She openly admits her inability. She just plainly says, Lord, help me. 
It's time our churches got back. It's time our families got back to just getting on our face before God and saying, God, help me. Help me. You say, well, in what way? Is there, is there, seriously, you still think there's an area of your life you don't need help in? Are you, is the pride really still there that much? There are no areas of our lives that we don't need help in. We need help in it. You say, but, I, but I'm wealthy. I've, I'm good to go. I've got money. Yeah, sell that you have. <laughs> You're financially stable. You don't need help there. Then sell that you have and give to the poor. And then come talk to me. <laughs> I think Jesus said something like that once to someone who's rich. Hello. Folks, we are enable without God. And we have just grown in our pride over the centuries, over the decades in America to the point where we actually think, no, no, we have abilities. We have the ability. We have the ability. I want you to notice this about this woman in these verses. I want to read these verses. It says in verse 23, but he answered her not a word. Oh, he ignored her. How many like being ignored? Amen. I was the youngest in my house. (laughs) My older brothers were keen on ignoring me. They could give me the silent, I, oh, it drove me to temper, anger, wrath, malice, and every evil work. <laughs> it was horrible. Listen, I don't like being ignored, and I know nobody else likes being ignored. I don't think this woman likes or enjoyed being ignored, and yet God just answered her not a word. Think about it. She came openly admitting her problem. Oh, God, I got this major problem. Oh, hell, my, my, my daughter's a mess. Oh, and he just ignored her. Is that when we go, oh, I guess God's not interested. I'll fix it myself. Oh, you know, I prayed for three days. I gave the illustration this morning in church about Ed Brunk. Ed Brunk was a World War II hero in our church up in Maine. He witnessed to his friend. He sowed the seed and he watered the seed for 60 years before his friend, his neighbor, got saved. His friend got so sick of seeing him because every time Ed came over, Ed was going to share the gospel. And he'd look at Ed and say, Ed, if you weren't my friend, I'd kick you out of my house. That's how Mainers are, amen, or maniacs. That's just the way it is. (laughs) We can't help it. (laughs) But finally, 20, just about 24 hours before he passed, he bowed his head and trusted Christ as his Savior. I was on a Thursday night when Pastor and I went. By Saturday morning, he was gone. 60 years. He started when he got home from World War II, witnessing to him, and the man didn't die until the early 2000s. 60 years, folks. And how many days have you prayed for America? How many days have you been praying for the lost? How many, how long, how many years? Hmm? Oh, but I prayed a few times, and God didn't answer the prayer. She prayed, and the Lord ignored her. Didn't stop her, though. It didn't stop her, though. She just got plain. The disciples being the typical Christians of the day, oh, look, they're so needy because we're not needy at all. Send them away. She's like Antifa or something. Get out of here. What are you bothering us for? She crieth after us. It's almost like a riot or something. Hello. I'm seeing some parallels here. I don't know, maybe it's just me. But he answered and said, I'm not sent, but under the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm not here for you. I'm not talking to you. And she worshiped him still. You know what she didn't do? 
She didn't boast of all the good that she had done already. She didn't boast of, but, 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 but I gave birth to this child, and I nursed this child, and I brought this child up, and I've done so much, and I've done so good, and I've got so many good works, and you ought to help me because, listen, I deserve it somehow. I've done good. She didn't do that. Why? Because she, I think she understood that all our righteousness is as filthy rags. You know what we've done good for God? Nothing. Think about it. The only thing I've ever done good for God is what he's enabled me, taught me, and told me to do. So how much credit do I get? Zero. Oh, yeah, that's right. And how much credit do you get, by the way? Yeah, zero. That's right. Yeah, we're getting 100 here. Amen? <laughs> Listen, we don't get credit for it. He's done it all. All to him I owe. Amen? It's him. She didn't admit all the good. Oh, listen, let me brag about all the good I've done. And I've been such a good mom, and I've done all this, and I've done all that, and I even know about you, and I've heard about you, and I've respected you, and oh, listen to the good. She didn't do that. And yet in America today, what do we do? Brag about our history? We got the First Amendment. We got the Constitution. Oh, our forefathers, this and our... Hey, hey, listen, I'm all about Baptist history, and, 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 and we ought to study it, learn it, and respect it. But who cares? What are we doing in this generation for God? Stop living on the blessings of the past and start earning your own today by getting down and obeying God with what we ought to be doing. We don't brag about the past. Brag about the good. Well, our church has done this, and our church has done that, and our church has this ministry, and our church. And meanwhile, God's going, yeah, so what are you doing? What are you doing for me? Do you really need help? Do you really need, are you really enabled or, or do you got this on your own? You got this all on your own? Listen, listen, church, you're going to reach Rapid City all on your own or do you need God's help? Yeah, you need God's help. We all need God's help. Not only did she not boast about her past and all the good that she had done, huh, listen, she also didn't boast about her potential. Oh, potential. You've heard me say this before, church. It's been a while. But I had a junior high football coach. <laughs> he taught me one of the greatest spiritual lessons in life, and he still doesn't even know it to this day. We showed up to practice. You know, all these, uh, we're 13-year-old men. <laughs> I know, young people, teenage boys. Was, oh, man. Sorry, guys. I'm not going to be your friend tonight. I, I was one. I know how dumb I was, and I know how dumb you are, too. But anyways, <laughs> Oh, man, we thought we had it all. And he looked at us and said, I hate potential. Potential is talent and ability sitting unused. Somebody won some Super Bowl last year, and they don't talk about the potential of the winners. They talk about the potential of the losers. See, the team that lost the Super Bowl, folks are still, their fans are probably still, well, we could have, we could have, you know, and we had this, and we had, oh, and we could have, and oh, that ref, and oh, that, oh, and all they talk about is the potential. Yeah, potential's for losers. She didn't brag about her potential. But what do we do? Look at our young people. Look at all the young people we have in this. Oh, oh look, oh, what, what could you do? I don't know what you could do, but what are you doing? You know what you could do? You could do what you are doing. You know what? I was driving through. I noticed there's still liquor places, establishments in Rapid City. So I guess that's not a lot of potential. 
because you ain't doing much about it. Hmm? Still see people not in church. Still see people out there smoking dope, doing drugs and all this stuff. Hmm? Well, you got potential, but what are we doing about it? Nothing? Oh, okay. So how much potential you got? As much as you're doing. That's how much potential you got, folks. She didn't brag about her potential. Oh, Americans, we're keen at it. We could if they did, oh, we do this. If they did that, we do Oh, and this, and this, and that, and the other. And look at our young, and we'll, and we'll, and we'll. But what are you doing now? Christian, what are you doing now? When's the last time you actually shared the complete gospel with somebody? When's the last time you spent an hour in prayer, sweet hour of prayer? We sing the song, please don't be a hypocrite when you sing the song. If you don't know what a sweet hour of prayer is like, just keep your mouth closed when you sing. Oh, but then we'd be openly admitting our problem. Yeah, just like this woman from Canaan. Hello. Listen, folks, I'm here tonight, and I know this may sound harsh, and I'm trying to encourage you, because what we're doing is we're not doing what Christians have always done before. We are letting circumstances control us. And I thought God was supposed to be our Lord. I thought Jesus was supposed to be our master. I thought the Bible was our sole authority for faith and practice. Well, are you witnessing to people? Then it's not your authority. It's just the book you kind of use sometimes. You know, they joke about guys who won't read the instruction books, the instructions, amen? I'm not one of them, but that's my wife. I like reading instructions and asking for directions. It's such an easy way to make my wife respect me. I don't get it. Guys, it's, it could be so easy. Anyways, uh, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked. Hey, but, but listen, the, everybody knows about it. Everybody jokes about it. Men don't read the instructions. Hmm. Just like they don't read the Bible and follow what the Bible says. And if they would have just followed the Bible and done what the Bible says, we'd be reaching the world for Christ and we'd be obeying the Bible. And the Bible would be our sole authority. And the authority's there, the instruction's there, the command is given, and yet we don't go, we don't tell, and we let circumstances control. She did not brag or boast about her potential. She simply cried out, help me. She also didn't boast. Oh, yeah, no, this one's good. She didn't blame others for holding her back. Boy, aren't we prime on doing that in America today? It's always somebody else's fault. It's my brother's fault. Why isn't your room clean? Well, Johnny did this. Why didn't you witness to people? Well, my wife needed me to go to the grocery store. We come up with reasons and excuses, folks. And we blame others for our lack of obedience to God. And we look out there at the world and we criticize them for it, and yet we do the very same thing spiritually. Why haven't we spent that hour in prayer? Well, because my kids and my, you know, it's just so disruptive in our, blaming others again, huh? We do the very same thing and we don't even realize it. She openly admitted her problem. She openly admitted her inability. God, help me, please. I can't ever do this without you. I will never be the Christian that you want me to be without your help, without your, I need your power on my life. And God says, put the phone down. Oh, but, 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 but. Turn the TV off. Oh, but, 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 but. We've got time to do it, folks. 
We've got the time to obey God. We've got the time to please Him, to fulfill His will for our lives. And we just act the same way the lost world acts, by casting the blame off on others about it. The only reason you haven't witnessed to somebody this last week is it's your own fault. It's the only reason you haven't. You can't blame anybody else. I promise you God's given you opportunity. I promise you the Holy, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit even prompted you to. And you had to deliberately disobey the Holy Spirit. Think about it, folks. Boy, as a church, as a nation, Christians, we're hurting. We need God like we've never needed him before in the modern era. We've not seen a generation that needed God so desperately as we do today in America. We've not seen it. And it ought to drive us to our knees and drive us to obedience, but it ought to put a boldness in us to stand up and fight for what's right. And you say, well, what do you mean? I'm talking about spiritual things here this evening. I'm not talking about fighting masks. Hello? I hate masks as anybody else, but the same groups that said, if they don't want to make a cake for the, for the gays, then they shouldn't have to make a cake. But yet if the same store says you got to wear a mask, they shouldn't tell me to wear a mask. I thought that store owner had the right to do what they wanted, huh? Don't be a hypocrite. Oh, I don't think of that. Yeah, because we get caught up in what Fox is teaching us and not what the Word of God is teaching us. We got to stand up and fight for what's right. I'm talking about spiritual things. I'm telling you, listen, these people out here that are scared and, and, and angry. My wife was in Walmart the other day and some lady pulled down her mask to talk on the phone and another lady walked by and said, oh, are you voting for Trump? Because her mask was down. Like, I'm on the phone. You must be one of those bleeding heart liberals. Oh, yeah, okay, I understand. <laughs> Anyways, listen, why is she that way? Though we laugh about it and mock it, but why? Because she's living in fear because she doesn't know God. Amen. She's afraid who's going to become president because she doesn't know God. I'm not afraid who's going to become president. Listen, I'll get the T-shirt. I survived Obama. You know what, Christians, you can actually get through it. Hey, listen, you think Obama was bad. You think Biden might be bad. Hey, listen, there are Christians that lived in history that could wear a T-shirt that said, I survived Nero. Oh, we got so tough in America today. <laughs> I don't think so. Folks, she openly admitted her problems. She openly admitted her inability. And thirdly, if you look down with me, we see verse 25. She says, help me, verse 26. But he answered and said, it's not meat for me to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs, to cast it to dogs. She said, truth, Lord. Well, how do you like it when God gives you some rough news? How does it sit with you when God gives you a message? <laughs> I didn't like that one very much. What'd she do? She said, truth, Lord. You know what? You're right. You know what? She openly admitted her undeservedness. I tell you something, young person. You don't deserve to live in America. You don't deserve to have freedom. You don't deserve to have a constitution. You don't deserve to have a military that protects you. You don't deserve to have a church that loves you and prays for you. You don't deserve it. None of us do. But somehow, from our youth up, we just think we deserve it. It's here. We're familiar with it. We're used to it. 
And after all, listen, I'm the biggest one, man. Listen, I'll die to protect that First Amendment, Second Amendment. I'll die to protect all of them. I'll die to protect the Constitution. Please don't misunderstand me. But the fact of the matter is, I know this, I don't deserve a bit of it. I don't even deserve the paper it was written on or the ink it was written with. I deserve hell with my back broke for all of eternity. She understood. He said, it's not meat to take the children's uh, bread and cast it to the dogs. And she just said, truth, Lord. You know what, God? You're right. We are so blessed as Americans, and we've never deserved it once. Not in America's greatest day in history, not in the best day we've ever experienced, did we ever deserve the least of God's blessings. And yet he's bestowed upon us again and again and again and again. Can I tell you this little secret? If we deserved it, it's not grace. Oh, we all say we want God's grace. And halfway in our mind, we think, because somehow we deserve it. Because I am a child of God's, and I am obeying him. Still doesn't mean you deserve it. Still doesn't mean you deserve it. Remember that guy named Peter? Got crucified upside down. How about John? Boiled in oil, and he survived. (laughs) Before antibiotics. (laughs) Yeah. Think about it. They, 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 they forsook all. Remember, Peter even asked. He, he said, Lord, we've forsaken all. Well, what are we going to get out of this? Remember that? Peter's like, man, we, we've forsaken all. We're going to get something good out of this, right? Yeah, Peter, you'll be crucified upside down. That'll be your reward. What do we think as American Christians? That God's somehow an American, and he's got to bless us because it's due unto us somehow? Or our church has been here for 80 years or 75 years and somehow we deserve it because we've been faithful for so many years. We don't deserve anything. This woman understood. Truth, Lord. You know what, God? The the hard information you're giving me is the truth. I'm going to surrender to it. She just says, truth, Lord. Christians, we need to get back to realizing we don't deserve the least of his blessings. I don't deserve another beat of my heart. I don't deserve another breath of my lungs. I don't deserve a safe ride home tonight. I don't deserve to tuck my kids in tonight. I don't deserve to wake up in a good home. I don't deserve any of it. I pray the Lord that he give this undeserving sinner those things which he desires. But I know I don't deserve them. The last time we just admitted to the Lord, God, I don't deserve it all. I don't deserve the great mom and dad I've had. Pastor Brooks knows our home church, knows our Christian school is open up to families outside the church. I never recommend that, but anyways. I'm just too straight-laced and hardcore, I guess. (laughs) Uh, But I'll support my pastor 100% no matter what. But one of my daughter's students, my wife was telling me on the way down, she just talked with Hannah, and one of the students in the home, we're talking about a four-year-old boy, mom and dad getting divorced when the babysitter drops him off for K4 he's got a good lunch, a sandwich, some chips a juice, dad drops him off, a couple granola bars and some cheese curls dad said send him there, that's the cheapest place I don't want to pay anything you know my daughter's learning she doesn't even know it, she thinks she's teaching K4 she's learning how blessed she was a God to have a good mom and dad 
It's sad maybe some of you young people haven't understood that yet. Some of you young people got no idea. You're so stuffed full of pride. Yeah, you're nothing. You face, face nothing impossible. Don't you realize I'm 16 years I'm almost 17 years old. Bless God, nothing impossible for me. Yeah, I know. It sounds silly when you say it out loud, but somehow those thoughts go in the head and they actually make sense to us. It shows you how dumb young boys are, amen? <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to get sidetracked. <laughs> but I'm just saying, and, and listen, it's not just for the young people. You parents in here, you don't deserve kids as good as you got. Hello. When's the last time you looked at your children and just said, thank you for being godly kids? Thank you for being a blessing to mom and dad. My wife hears stories back, and she said the other day, I'm calling her out, she's going to get embarrassed, upset at me. I'll hear it on the way home, but that's all right. Yeah, I know. I'll hear it for a long time. She said, because my daughter called, and she said, Mom, thanks. She said, Mom, hmm, I had it so good. And my, my wife looked at me and said, her children shall arise and call her blessed. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm not just thankful to God for being a good God. I'm thankful to my daughter for being a good daughter. We don't deserve it, folks. This lady from this Canaanite lady, she came to the Lord and she just said, truth, Lord. After he ignored her, after, she call, after he called her a dog, after he said, you're unworthy, she just said, truth. You know what? She knew his word was truth. She had no question mark that the word of Jesus Christ was truth, unchanging, undying, un, uh, unstoppable truth. And that same word that tells us to go and reach our neighbor is the same truth. It's the same unchangeable, unstoppable truth that this woman understood and identified. She understood and that his word was truth. She also knew that Jesus had more than enough. I want you to notice this. Oh, this is where Americans, whoo, pardon me. We've had the fatted calf too long. Look at this. Think about it. Her daughter is possessed with a devil. She's helpless and hopeless. She's an enemy of God's. She's an alien from the commonwealth of Israel. She doesn't know anything about the salvation that Jesus has. And she comes to him in utter humility abases herself as low as a woman's going to get before God Almighty in the flesh. She gets ignored. She gets called a dog. She submits to it. And look at, she doesn't just say truth, Lord. This is where it shows you her understanding that Jesus Christ, listen, if this woman were alive today talking to you, she'd say, listen, he's got more than enough power and provision to help you be what God wants you to be in 2020. She said, look at this. She said, truth, Lord. In verse 27, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs. She said, oh, Lord. I know I don't deserve anything. 
I know I don't deserve the least of your blessings. But Lord, I know this. If I could just get some crumbs, it would be more than enough for my family. It'd be more than enough for me. It'd be more than enough for my dog. If I could just get some crumbs. No, we could have the latest iPhone. We could have the latest gadget. We could have the new clothes, the nice shoes. We could have it all. And yet, what do we deserve? Nothing. All she wanted was crumbs. Oh, young people, you live in a society that fights against that and says, oh, no, you don't want crumbs. You want the biggest, the baddest, the bestest, the, the most wonderful, the out there. You wanted the, oh, you've got to have the best, the newest, the latest. Hogwash. Hogwash. If your mom and dad took the iPhone, if God took the iPhone away today, you could still serve him with joy. Amen. Or your Android. Amen. I don't care which one you use. Hallelujah. I won't be partial. I won't be biased. Amen. Listen, if, if you lost it today, hmm? imagine the catastrophe if all the cell towers in America stopped working tomorrow. <laughs> we laugh about it. Young people would be committing suicide by the dozens. And young people in this church, you better realize you ain't far from them. Why? Because you're living in their neighborhoods and you've been fed all the same garbage and you're actually believing some of the same stuff because you're doing some of the same activities and your way of thinking is right there in line with a lot of them. Prove me wrong? Please. I'll call your pastor next week. He can tell me how many you've led to the Lord or how many you've told about Jesus. She said, I just need the crumbs, Lord. I don't need the best. I don't need the biggest. I don't need the American portion. I just need the crumbs, Lord. Just the crumbs, please. Because I know what you have is more than we would ever need. America's, American Christians, our churches in America, we just need some crumbs. We sit back, we're waiting for the big portion. Amen? We want the big slice of chocolate cake with peanut butter frosting. <sighs> Slaps, big old scoop of vanilla ice cream. Oh, I don't know why I said it. We, <laughs> we were at, I was preaching that meeting in, in Wisconsin, and <clears throat> after service, they have ice cream. And I walk over, and this mom with her littles, and she's saying, one scoop, one scoop. And I reached in, I took one scoop. It was about a half a gallon of ice cream. <laughs> I said, just one scoop, mom, and walked away. <laughs> but see how American, it's, that, that's, that's how we think spiritually. When really what we need is just some crumbs, Lord. Lord, if I could just have some crumbs. She, she understood the Lord had more than we would need, ever need. She openly admits her undeservedness. And she knew, listen, look at what she says. She says, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the government's table. Hmm? From the military's table. From the church's table. You know what? This lady, she knew who the master was. Christians in America, we've forgotten. After all, look at our constitution. It's a government of the people, by the people, for the people. So we govern ourselves. We're our own master. And we've forgotten that God is our master. And that's why every man does that which is right in his own eyes. 
you do understand the conflicts are all theological. Antifa thinks they're moral. You can criticize them all day long, but in their heart of hearts, they believe what they're doing is moral. The problem is we have tried to interject morality into America without Jesus Christ. There is no morality without Jesus Christ. But if we don't tell them about Jesus, how do they know who the source of morality is? So they follow the professor at the university, the wackos on the internet, the yahoos on the TV, and whatever else, and then they just make up their own, and it's just a bunch of humanism rolling around. But this lady understood who the master is. Now listen, I understand we come to church, and we're in church, and we know who the master is up here. But do you know who he is down here? Jesus may sit on the throne of your mind, but does he sit on the throne of your heart? Does he really control those decisions in your life of who you're going to witness to, when you're going to witness? Hmm? Or have you decided to become your own master? Because after all, independence, 4th of July, apple pie and baseball, we're Americans, we're independent. Yeah, unfortunately, we've grown independent from God. And look at what it's gotten us. You know, when we were more dependent on God, it seemed like things were better. I guess independence isn't all that great of a thing, huh, young people? Huh, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas? Hmm? Independence isn't that. We forgot we're 100% dependent on God. I know it's getting late. Got a few more verses. We're going to be done. I want to bring this in. Turn over to James. Please turn to James. I'm going to look at chapter 2. James in chapter 2. Some very familiar verses here. Again, nothing new with Brother Steve. Just some simple truths rehashed. Great is thy faithfulness. You know, when the lady said, truth, Lord, but the dogs eat of the crumbs, what did Jesus say? He said, great is thy faith. You don't have to turn back now, but you can read in verse 28. He looks at her, and he, he's blown away. And he says, wow, you openly admit your problem. You openly admit your inability. You openly admit your undeservedness. And even when I treat you harshly, you still submit to it. He looked at her and said, great is thy faith. Wow. You're amazing. Would to God we had faith like that in America. James tells us what faith like that would look like today. James in chapter 2 and in verse I believe beginning in verse 14. Oh, I better get there. I'm in First Peter. I got too excited. Sorry. Didn't turn enough pages. James in chapter 2 and verse 15. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? We're not talking about salvation in context. Just be clear. Okay? James is talking about the difference between faith and faith. People say they have faith, but God says, listen, faith in me causes action. 
And if you say you're, you have faith and there's no action and activity involved with it, then it's not really faith. That's the shortened Steve Perkins version. Verse 15, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one say unto them, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? You say, oh, you don't have any food? God bless you, I'll pray for you. And I really believe God will supply that need. Or you could have said, God, supply that need through me and given it to them yourself. But then that one may have taken all the food I had. I thought you believed God was the God of the impossible. Anyways, let's move on. Verse 17, he plainly says, Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. The pride that's destroying America is dead faith. Christians come to church. They say they believe the pastor. They say they believe the Bible. They say this is right. They say this is our authority. Then they go out there and live differently. And their works do not match their faith. So their faith is dead. Why do they do that? Pride. I don't need to. I don't need to submit to the master. I don't need to submit to God and witness to that person. Why else do we say no? What other reason do we have? to disobey the Holy Ghost when He prompts us to witness to somebody? What other reason do we have to disobey God when He t tells us and shows us that we ought to be submitted? What other reason do we have to disobey other than pride? Workless faith is prideful. I don't know how you want to put it. It's pretty clear to me. Verse 18, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I'll show thee my faith by my works. You know what? America has just not seen enough of an example of what a true Christian is. What do they see? Falwell, MacArthur. Really? This is their shining... You Listen, you understand this lost world, there's no difference between their church and this church. They're lost. They don't know the truth. They're unregenerated. The natural man receiveth not the things of God. They're spiritually discerned. They see no difference between that church and this church. So when the news comes out about these people doing stupid things and these people doing wrong and these people robbing and being greedy and whatever, they see no difference. We're to show them the difference. Not in here. This is not... Where you come and, oh, I'm going to show the world how great a Christian I am. I'll tie a double Windsor and use extra gel in my hair. And I'll really say amen during the preaching, and then the world will know how great of a, no! They'll know how great of a Christian you are when you weep for them and they're in front of their face for their soul because their soul is going to burn in hell. And you have the audacity to call them friend, and yet they're going to burn for eternity. And you call them friend, and you've never witnessed to them. And what calls itself Christian in America? I used the illustration this morning. A man come by the property up in Custer and was talking to me how, yeah, boy, things are getting bad. We got to just get rid of all this denomination stuff and bond together. Like my Jesus died for that stuff. You say, well, what do you, yeah, I'm against the ecumenical movement. It's wicked and out of the pits of hell. Oh, Steve, you really say that in church? Listen. We just got out of Montevideo, Minnesota, and the church planner there has been there a couple of years, and it's a town of about 8,000 people, 
and there's two Lutheran churches, there's a, there's a Pentecostal church, and there's another church, there's another group, whatever, that calls itself, a, 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 it's a Bible church, I guess, whatever, and uh, only one of the other preachers will talk to my friend Brent, Brent Winter. And so he sits down at breakfast with this Lutheran pastor, and the Lutheran pastor looks at him and says, so tell me why we, not, we, we need another uh, church in, in Montevideo. And he says, because people need the gospel. And the, and the Lutheran pastor says, well, you've got churches here doing that work. And he said, well, that's where we disagree. He said, well, what do you mean? The Lutheran pastor said, what do you mean? Brent Winter said, sir, why don't you tell me what your definition of the gospel is? The Lutheran pastor said, quote, help them with the utility bills, help them with groceries if they need it, and encourage them in this difficult life. Let's go ecumenical and just join all together. We can hug people while they go to hell. That's not the gospel. The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that God became man and laid down his life on the cross willingly to pay the atonement and, and, and the propitiation for our sins by shedding his perfect blood to cover our sins was buried in the ground and rose again the third day, and it's the only hope any human will ever and can ever have. Oh, whoops. Yeah, they don't get it. Show me thy faith without, my, without thy works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You want to know what I believe? Come look at my life. Come check it out. You got to witness to people. You got to share the gospel. You gotta get on your knees and pray. You gotta spend time in the words. You gotta be an alien. Yeah. I believe in aliens. Yeah, I am one. You realize that? If you're here tonight and you're born again, raise your hand. You're all aliens. You understand that? Why? Because our, our, our home is in heaven. We're just visiting here. We're pilgrims. We're just stopping by for a little while. And when this life's over, we'll be in heaven for all eternity. Amen. Then we'll be home. You're going to go to a place tonight and call it home. That ain't home. Keep going if you want to get home. Amen? <laughs> Amen! Hey, listen. He goes on. Verse 18, verse 19. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Oh, yeah. You talk to a lot of religious people in America today, call themselves Christians. Oh, I believe in God. Oh, I believe in God. Well, tell me a testimony. How'd you get saved? Well, you know, I just woke up one day and I decided God's real, and so I believe in God. Great. The devils do also. Satan does also. Is Satan going to heaven? No. Are you? No. Not without the blood of Jesus Christ. Believing in God doesn't get you there. Well, they'll talk about God all day long, but just not Jesus Christ. Listen, he said, great is thy faith. Continue reading. He says, but what wilt thou, O vain man, that faith without works, is dead. Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he had offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar? You say, wait a minute, see there, it's talking about salvation. No, continue reading. What does it say? He said, uh, uh, verse, uh, verse 22, seest thou uh, how faith wrought with works and by works hath made him perfect? Uh, or, or, I'm sorry, I lost it. Uh, works was faith made perfect. See, so what are you talking about? Listen, in man's eyes, 
you know what? Today it's written down in scripture. We don't question and wonder what Abraham believed. Why? Because of his works. We as humans, we as mankind, we don't question what he believed. We know exactly what he believed. How do you know what he believed? Because of his works. You understand that? Do your neighbors know what you believe? Do your neighbors know what you believe? Do your coworkers know? Do your friends in school? Do they know what you believe? Well, I go to a Christian school. I don't mean they're saved. A lot of lost kids in Christian schools. It's like a public school with a Bible study. I've seen everything in Christian schools from pornography to you name it, drugs and everything else. Don't just think because you've got a Christian school, everything's just fine. Sinners need a Savior. Show me thy faith. Listen, folks, what I'm trying to get at, this woman's faith was great. How do you know what she believed? By her works, her actions. She had to get up physically. She wasn't sitting in her home in Canaan at this point when this story is written. You understand that? She wasn't sitting at her home in Canaan just thinking of all this. Oh, yes, if I just think of all this stuff. It, no, she got up, she went out, and she publicly, openly displayed and told God, I need your help. I'm unable without you. I'm undeserving, but I need you desperately. And then he, she said, truth, Lord, when he spoke. And she believed him. She believed. Let me tell you something. We need Christians to get back to believing the word of God. Believing what the Bible says. The Bible says in this same book in James in chapter 4 in verse 10, humble yourselves. America needs to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift us up. Listen, we don't need to get rid of Antifa. We need to humble ourselves. We don't need to prove BLM is wrong. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord. Part of that humbling is going to include some serious prayer time with God and then getting on our feet and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with a lost and dying world. But you know, that takes some humility. Getting on your knees is humbling. Sharing the gospel is humbling. So we can either remain proud Americans or choose to be humble Christians. There's a pride that's destroying America. That pride is found in the house of God. It's not found in Congress. It's not found in the legislature. It's found in God's own house, amongst his people, too prideful to say, Master, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, help us, I pray, to humble ourselves before you. God, this woman of Canaan came to you. What humility she displayed. Father, forgive our nation. We have departed so far from you. God, forgive us for not being the witness that we should be. Forgive us for not praying for the lost the way we should, praying for our nation. God, help us, I pray in Jesus' name.